don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a great week. This at Affordable Interior Design, I think I mentioned maybe last week, is our busy season. Things are nuts. Just last week, I took five clients. This week, I have four clients. We are inundated with people getting ready for the holidays, people who are nesting because of winter. And so I don't have a lot of room in my brain for random tips. Rather, with each client, I'm thinking about specific strategies different ideas, switching back and forth between different personalities, and that is what is on my mind this week. So I figured I would just open it up and make this my audio diary. So guys, come along with me, hear what's going on in my brain, hear what's going on with my clients. Thank you for joining me and being a listener. This is Big Design Small Budget. I am Betsy Helmuth, and I am designing like crazy. So I wanted to share with you just a few snapshots of some recent clients and some lessons that I have taught them, some lessons I have taken away, and things I'm grappling with. So one of my first clients two weeks ago in that big week when I took five was a client who is a busy, busy international woman who works for the UN, who lives very close to the UN and has an awesome apartment. It is 270 degrees windows, which means that it has amazing views of the river, amazing views of the UN, amazing views of Manhattan to the north. It's also saturated with light and it gets so hot. It's like a um, fishbowl meets sauna meets snow globe meets magical mirror on this urban landscape. And that's truly the best TV show you'll ever have is that panoramic view. The problem with that panoramic view for somebody who loves to come home and decompress after a busy day, she's always traveling, she works really hard. When she comes home, she wants to completely let go and turn on bad TV and cuddle up with a good book and be under a blanket recharging and completely shifting her energy. But the problem with that is that in this beautiful 270 fishbowl, we have no parallel walls. So watching TV is really difficult because that is ideal TV viewing, is having couch on one wall and the TV right across from it. Having the TV at an angle, having the TV overlapping one of the windows, having a TV floating in the space, these are really not ideal options. So when you're thinking about your layout, when you're placing that TV, you want to be thinking about the focal points in the room and having them be parallel to the main point of seating. In her case, that's a chaise sofa couch because again, for her, it's all about nurturing her body and recharging. She lives such a nomadic life style that she really needs her nest. So we're giving her that amazing chaise sofa where she can lounge to her heart's delight. And then we have to be cognizant of the fact that in this room, there's actually two focal points. The first one is, of course, that TV. But the most amazing one, the one she's paying the big bucks for, is that view. 
and she can't capture the entire view from her sofa. So which angle of that view is most appealing to her? I think everyone might have a slightly different answer, but in my mind, it was the water view. So she has the UN on the right, the city to the north, and then the East River um, right in the middle. And for me, water is always a huge draw. That natural element, that yen to New York City's frenetic yang. So we have positioned her sofa so it's directly across from that water view. And then I wound up having to put the TV on somewhat of an angle so that it's ideal to watch from the chaise if you're turning your head, but it's really not what's directly across from you when you're sitting on the sofa. So basically we decided that the TV takes a back seat to that amazing New York landscape. And for her that felt good. And for me, because there was no clear answer, it felt right. The other thing you want to think about when you're in her situation, when you're a nomad, when you're here for two years for work, but your next move could be India, your next move could be South America. Uh, As I mentioned, she's very international and gets relocated often. How much do you really want to spend in this space? You know, she makes a good living, so she doesn't want to have IKEA furniture. She doesn't want to feel like she's back in college. But at the same time, she doesn't want to overspend on items that she's really just going to put on the curb or offer for free when she's ready to go. That means that you should really limit the number of dressers you're going to be buying. It's very hard to find a decent dresser at a low price point. You're going to be spending at least $1,000 even if you're shopping at Macy's. And if you're shopping at Ikea, there's really only one decent dresser, the Hymnus. And by the time you spend two to three hours getting that assembled, the price point is such that you should have just gone for that Macy's or higher level dresser. So I really wanted to limit the number of dressers I'll be using in her space. She has a guest room. She has a master bedroom. But we have decided to forego dressers completely and instead rely on her copious amount of closet space. So we're using baskets in the closet for those smaller clothes like socks, underwear, etc., She's very neat, which is a help when you're not using a dresser. So she's going to keep her t-shirts, things like that, fastidiously folded on those shelves. The other thing that you want to think about is buying less furniture. You want to buy those right pieces, invest in those important pieces for her, the nomadic nester. Um, We would want to have an amazing mattress. We would want to have a super comfortable sofa, a decadent reading chair that she could curl up in. But something like a desk, when she's really hoping to recharge at home, isn't necessary. Instead, she can think about her dining table doing double duty, not only because she has an office space at her job, but also because... Um, she's very tidy. So if you're a messy worker, if you spread out all over and don't clean up after yourselves, a dining room table is not ideal as a work surface. But for her, she cleans up after each work session. She can neatly fold away her laptop. She doesn't have a desktop computer, nor does she have a bulky hard drive. So she really travels light and can clean up quickly and has no real need for a separate desk. So just think about limiting that furniture and limiting those expensive choices. And expensive choices tend to mean anything that has drawers. Drawers just add to the complication. They add to the um, experience of quality when they don't work well. When they're cheap, you feel it. And when they're good, you pay for it. 
The other thing that she wanted to do in this space, because she is here for two years max, is to really leave no trace. It's a rental. When she leaves, she doesn't want to have to redo a lot of things. She wants to pack up and get out of Dodge. And that doesn't mean that she wants to sacrifice design. That doesn't mean that she doesn't want to have anything on her walls. So instead, we're going to do removable wallpaper as an accent wall behind the headboard in the bedroom, and behind the dining table in the dining alcove. The key with an accent wall, which you know I've got pros and cons for, but if you've decided to make an impactful accent wall rather than wallpapering the entire room or painting the entire room, because that's something that's very hard to undo, think about removable wallpaper because you can peel it off as easily as you would a decal and it leaves no residue. The other thing that you want to think about is what wall has the visual interest. What wall do I want to draw people's eye to? What wall has the most important piece of furniture, the most interesting piece of furniture, the largest piece of furniture? That's where we want people to focus. We don't want to put an accent wall behind the TV. I don't want additional focus on the big black rectangular TV. We don't want to put an accent wall behind a messy desk or a cluttered bookcase. Rather, I would love to have one behind a sofa that has throw pillows, a coffee table, or a dining table. Because a dining table doesn't typically have that much color. You know, the table itself is rarely a true color. Sometimes we can pop it with chairs, but oftentimes those are neutrals too, especially if you're on a budget. So adding a strong dose of saturated color with wallpaper is a double whammy win. We get visual interest and in an area that typically does not have a lot of color, we're able to infuse it quite easily. So those are a few things I was thinking about for my lovely international nomad. So before we continue to our next segment, let's cut for a commercial break. Then I have even more questions. Do you wish you had all my top interior design advice at your fingertips? Well, you can. I have a hardcover interior design book called Big Design, Small Budget by yours truly, Betsy Helmuth. You can get your copy at affordableinteriordesign.com. Just click on the media tab and then head over to our book. There you will find it for $19.95. That's $5 off the retail price at any bookstore near you. Additionally, if you use promo code PODCAST, you'll get 15% off your entire order. Let me know when you place your order. I'd be happy to sign it for you. So once again, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the media tab, look for our book, and buy it at the low, low sale price of $19.95, plus of course, 15% off using promo code PODCAST. Happy reading! The next client I was working with was here in Westchester, and she was a very busy mom of two kids. And she'd been living in her space for a good long time, six to 10 years. And the reason she hadn't done anything, the reason she hadn't invested a lot of money is because from the minute she moved in and got settled, she realized this wasn't going to be the forever home. She always is looking at real estate listings. Something doesn't feel right about this space. And so she just wasn't ready to commit. But the problem with that is you're already living there. You're already living there with two kids and you tend to stay in a space a little bit longer than you think you will. So most of my clients say, Betsy, I'm only going to be here for one year. I'm only going to be here for two years. But moving is such a hassle and such an expense, especially when you've committed to a home in Westchester, that people don't really do it. 
as often as they think they're going to. And it's such a shame to not fully commit in your space because then for the time that you are there, it doesn't really feel like home. And I think when you have a family, it deeply impacts your family life. It impacts how much time you want to spend together in the different rooms. It impacts whether or not you'll be able to get your teenager out of her own bedroom and come share family time if she doesn't feel comfortable in the cramped dining area. So we all have things about our home that feel less than ideal or areas that we don't feel comfortable committing to. But the key is to make a commitment, is to say, you know what, I chose you. And while I'm not going to commit to you, the space, for more than two or three years, I am going to commit to live a life that is valuable to me, that is comfortable to me, that I love to be in. And so that means I'm going to limit the budget, but I am going to buy the right things for you. In fact, uh, full disclosure, I had somebody call me today. Uh, She was a client living on the Upper East Side, and she had to move here from a different place, I think Boston or something. And she's living on the Upper East Side now, and she's living there with a very tall boyfriend, and the space is small. And even though her friends come over and say, wow, this place is so big by New York standards, she really feels like it's not big. By Boston standards, she feels gypped and a little bit disappointed, and yet she's already been there for two years. So when somebody calls me as a client, I really want to discern if we're a good fit for them. So I ask them to tell me more about their project, tell me more about their concerns. And she launched in telling me, Betsy, my bedroom is so dark. It doesn't get any natural light. It feels like a cave. I can't even open the door because it's so small that it hits my bed. Betsy, I really hate the living area. We've jammed the TV in there. My boyfriend is constantly playing video games. I can't get him out of there so that I can have room for a dining table or entertaining. The entire space just isn't working. But I feel like, she said to me, she said, if I turn the bedroom into the living room, that dark den where he can play video games, and if I turn the living room into a studio apartment, a place where I can dine, a place where I can entertain with my friends, and a place where we sleep, well, maybe I'll feel better in this space. And so what I could have done, what maybe I should have done, is to sell her on one of our packages to say, you know what, let me get in there. Let's really see what's going on. Why don't you work with one of our designers and we can see what we can come up with. But I was really listening more deeply than that. And everything that she was bringing up that was wrong was with the space. And As much as I try and tell people, commit to your space, fall in love with your space, look at the good parts of your space, don't just focus on the negative or it will never feel right no matter how much you spend. When you have nothing but gripes about your space, just like with your partner, it may be time to cut your losses and move. And I know that that's an expensive endeavor in New York City. I know it's not a fun endeavor, but every single comment was a critique about the space and not a critique about her furniture or her style. I gave her permission to really think about it. She said, well, how am I going to make this choice? How am I going to decide if I'm going to move or use your services? And I think you need to get really still. I think that this requires a moment of meditation. And really think, if I had the perfect furniture, if I had the perfect layout, would I still be picking my place apart? You know, life is too short, people, and I don't want you to throw good money after bad 
just because you rented this place, just because you're in a lease, I don't want you to spend $5,000 more to try and make it work when we all know what's going on here. So when things feel chaotic, when things feel out of control, I approach things two ways. The first way is to deeply meditate, to sit still, to stare at a wall, to hold hands with my partner, look into each other's eyes and say, what's the real problem? Let's step back. And then the other thing that I like to do is process of elimination, eliminating all the other options so that the one true option comes into the forefront. So that's why I asked her to think about if you had the perfect furniture, if you bought the perfect items, is this space ever going to be okay? So there we go, guys. There's a little design diary for you. I will be back next week with potentially a longer episode, potentially a quieter episode. It's a busy day outside my storefront here in Dobbs. But I wanted to share with you what's been going on in my frenetic mind. Maybe it's time for me to do a little meditating. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.